0: Welcome to another episode of Studies and Empathy, a Cleveland Clinic podcast exploring empathy and patient experience. I'm your host, Steph Baer, Senior Director of the Office of Patient Experience here at the Cleveland Clinic in Cleveland, Ohio. And I'm very pleased to have with me today, Reverend Lisa Morrison. Lisa, welcome to Studies and Empathy. Thanks so much for having me. Lisa's the Director of Spiritual Care at Cleveland Clinic. In her role, she leads the Center for Spiritual Care whose hospital chaplains show up for patients and their families by leading prayers, offering healing touch techniques, or just listening. Lisa also leads our healing services programs, which provide support to patients and caregivers, as well as our family liaisons, which we'll talk about in a bit. Lisa has 20 years experience in healthcare chaplaincy and administration, and she's committed to advocacy, support, and work for equity and inclusion. Hey, I'm excited to have you here today. I'm excited to be here with you. Now, as we get going, I know that I had to get you here, like fighting and pushing and screaming. And thank you, Chaplain. Thank you, Reverend, for making the time. You are so welcome. (laughs) I can't wait to talk about this with you. (laughs) This will be fun. You've been in your role how long now? Just over a year. That's so awesome. Feels like it's been forever because you're so good at it. <laughs> Let's start with telling a little bit about yourself, your background, and how you became, and I think it's actually the Senior Director of Spiritual Care.
1: Yeah. So to get started, I wasn't raised in a particularly religious household. And yet still, faith and spirituality became really important to me as I navigated some life challenges. I saw what a difference it made in my life. And then the first time I ever saw a chaplain show up was sadly when my grandfather died really unexpectedly. And this chaplain showed up in the emergency department. And although he couldn't change any outcomes for us, Just his presence and being there was really impactful to me. I always knew that I wanted to do something that gave back to others, and it just seemed to be such a natural fit. Uh, How old were you when that happened? Oh, probably in my early 20s. Wow. Yeah. So then at that time, I um, decided to get an advanced degree in theology at Boston University, and then really just continued to fall in love with the idea of chaplaincy and wanting to be able to help. And so I enrolled in my first unit of Clinical Pastoral Education, or CPE. And that is a professional training program that combines professional education with hands-on experience in a multi-faith clinical setting. So it really allows you the opportunity to learn how to work with all different types of people and in different settings. I completed four units of that. Um, Clinically trained chaplains all have an advanced theology degree and four units of CPE. In fact, I did my residency um, here at the Cleveland Clinic way back in 2002. It looks a lot different now. But um, I did my residency here then. And after I finished that, I worked as um, a hospice chaplain and in hospital chaplaincy and as a coordinator of spiritual care. And then I got to come back to the Cleveland Clinic about six years ago, first as an on-call chaplain at Fairview and then the director of the department there. And then that led to my current position. Which we're so glad to have you in. Thank you. I'm so glad to be here in it. Uh, for those who might be listening and
0: don't know exactly uh, what spiritual care is, how is it different or similar to religion
1: Yeah, I'm so glad that you asked. I think sometimes there's this misconception that chaplains just do religious things. Mm -hmm. And sometimes if we knock on a door, the patient might say, I'm not religious or I haven't been a very good religious person. And that's not really what we're here for. Spiritual care certainly encompasses religious care. And so we might support a patient who gets their strength and support through a particular religion or through practices like Um, Holy Communion or certain prayers, and we certainly can provide that for folks. But spirituality and spiritual care is bigger than that. It really is about assessing and supporting a patient in whatever it is that gives them a sense of strength a sense of support, a sense of connection, I always say that spiritual care is first and foremost about having presence. It's about being able to be present and supporting the patient, allowing them to define what that looks like for them. Whatever it is that supports them and connects them, we want to be there for it, whether it's religious or not. That patient-centricity is such a key differentiator. Absolutely. It's also, as
0: I've learned from you and from your team, why uh, CPE and, and getting these trained chaplains and with their education units are so important because it helps maintain the patient's religion and the patient's
1: needs, Yep, whether or not religious. That's exactly right. And it keeps our own stuff our own stuff so that we don't transfer yeah. it to the patient. We never want the agenda of the visit to become about us. It needs to stay central to what is important and supportive to that particular patient. Even patients who are religious, we can't ever assume that to say, Catholic patients or Methodist patients or Hindu patients would want the same thing. So we really want to make sure that we have the training to understand how to maintain that patient centricity.
0: I think that, that neutrality is so important mm-hmm. and it, it really makes our patients the center as we need to do in patient experience. So it's such a natural fit to get to work with your team. Um, often, and I think historically we, we thought of spiritual care as chaplaincy mm-hmm. um, in just the the chaplain role. But I know that our team is broader than that. Actually here, there's a a broad breadth that includes definitely our chaplains, but there's other services too. Can we talk more, and we kind of mentioned the introduction, but can you talk more about what else
1: is encompassed within your department? Absolutely, I'd love to. So certainly staff chaplains who are trained to either support religiously or non-religiously, who can provide good sense of listening and empathy, also, our chaplains serve with our healing services department, along with our holistic nurses, who utilize a holistically-based approach to support the mind, body, and spirit, and emotional well-being of our patients, family members, and also our caregivers. Mm-hmm. And that's really important here, too. Our healing services team really takes lead on supporting our caregivers through initiatives called Code Lavender. A Code Lavender is a different kind of code. Sometimes codes uh, give a sense of everyone goes running to the room, and it's really stressful, and there's a lot of anxiety, a code lavender, think about that light purple color. It's sort of like, let's just take a breath. Let's see what we can do to support this team that's in need. Maybe there's been a really difficult death of a long-term patient, something unexpected, something's happened to a long-term caregiver. We'll come in and do an assessment to see how we can best support that team. And it might be some group debriefing, some one-on-one support. We might loop in some other departments or even partake in some different types of rituals. Uh, One that's a team favorite seems to be, uh, it's called a water bowl. So we have a beautiful crystal bowl And caregivers can write down something, maybe that's been on their heart or that they need to let go of, and they write it down on water dissolving paper. And we lead them in a process of being able to let that go into the water and have it dissolve. And it can be, you know, it's so simple, but it can be such an important ritual for them as they learn to process some really, really challenging and difficult things.
0: And that caregiver, and I
1: want you to keep going, but that caregiver
0: component is so important in today's healthcare environment. Absolutely. Uh, We've been talking with some other guests recently about how the residue of the pandemic and we we just kind of rush the next fire and it's what's next. We've never really taken time to assess ourselves and to make sure that we're okay, we're putting on our own oxygen mask first. The code lavender and the modalities that you offer our caregivers are so key for burnout, for resilience. And we hear it in our engagement surveys too about how important it is and how they just want more of that support. So I, I would encourage anyone who's listening, not part of the Cleveland Clinic family, if they have questions on how to introduce this to their own environment, that we certainly would love to help you
1: connect with them because it's key to all of healthcare. We we need more and more healthcare workers, not it less. Absolutely is. It absolutely is. The stress level for caregivers has been higher than ever. And post pandemic, we're at a point now where you know, when you're running from fire to fire, you don't even realize that you haven't had a chance to catch up. But now we're at a point where it's like, ooh, it sort of have, has all caught up with us and more and it feels overwhelming. And so finding ways to debrief with your team, just like practice that pause and take a mm-hmm. breath together can be really helpful. Our caregivers are incredible human beings and uh, we need to do the best we can to help care and support them. Some other members of our team that I want to highlight are our family liaisons. You talked about them in our introduction, and they are a team of folks who really help to preserve the dignity of the patient even after a patient dies, right? And so when that happens, uh, family members can feel really lost. They don't know what to do next. Family liaisons come alongside to help make sure that the steps are maintained to to go ahead and continue to best give dignity to that person who has lived and whatever needs to happen as they make those next steps. That can be particularly challenging if there's an international patient, if we're having trouble locating family, and for family members to know that we don't just drop them or leave them if if their loved one does die, that we're still there to come alongside them really makes a huge difference. And I'm so grateful for our family liaisons. And then I also don't want to forget to mention, our first of all, our education department. We have a robust education department of um, certified educators who train chaplain interns and chaplain residents, and even students who are training to become educators. And that's really special. And we have this great team that continues to further the mission of education with the Cleveland Clinic. And then also our administrative coordinators. They are our glue. They do so much for us. And so often, Steph, they are the first face and first voice that a grieving family member or an afraid patient might come across. And just to have their sense of care and empathy makes such a difference. I lead the best team in this entire place, and I'm so grateful. And I take credit for this team, even though you're the leader. <laughs> I like to claim this is my,
0: my wide family, because you guys are so special, and the work you do matters so much. And thank you for thinking of all the components of the team when I asked about that. Yeah, Because you're right. There, there's so much there that we need to celebrate and recognize. There was something you also said that I, I just want to make sure that we we touch upon. because it just it hit me that it's a really beautiful practice that your team has mm-hmm. and that has bubbled up throughout our organization now. But you said often that we haven't taken a pause for ourselves uh, since everything's been going on and that we, we just need to pause. One of the techniques that I learned from spiritual care and has now been adopted all the way to our executive level in our daily huddles
1: is a pause. Yes. Can you talk to us about what what that pause is? Absolutely. So a pause can happen at the time of death at a bedside, where um, after a patient has died, the caregivers who are still around the bedside and any family who are present gather. And the chaplain or any of the caregivers can just take a moment to say, let us pause for a moment. And it really is simply a moment. And in that time, we give thanks for that person's life. We give thanks for the caregivers and the work they have done. And we bring to mind those who have loved that patient. And again, Steph, this takes probably less than a minute, but it is so meaningful and so impactful for the caregivers as well as any family who happen to be there to to just take a moment to acknowledge that something really important has happened and to give thanks for that life is deeply meaningful for everyone. It's so important. I've been present at the pause of the
0: bedside with the family and our caregivers, and I've also been present with the executive level pauses where we will read the names of all those that trust us with their care, and died in the last 24 hours. And we'll read the first names. And at that executive level daily at this huddle, our leaders from our CEO on will take a second and recognize and honor that that person. And again, like you said, it it doesn't take more than a few seconds, but it does ground you so importantly to the
1: work we do and, and why we do it. Absolutely. And I love that our executive team does that daily. Our spiritual care team does too. And it's just so meaningful and it helps us to really stay connected and to remember the importance of the work that we do. It's not just about seeing like big numbers of patients. It's about caring for each individual person and recognizing and validating that that human connection that we have had with them. And there's
0: empathy, right? This is the yes, of empathy. Yes. Uh, so you know I'm, I'm very interested in, in the power of empathy and it's what you guys do every day. Um, what are some ways also that our our hospital chaplains show empathy. Can you give me an example of a a time when empathy played a crucial role in impacting a patient or a caregiver? Yeah. I love stories.
1: (laughs) Absolutely. I've got stories for days. Um, You know, I think of the Nike slogan from a while back or maybe even now, the don't just sit there, do something. And in spiritual care, it's actually the opposite. It's about don't just do something, sit there, right? And so like when I think about empathy, I think about what it means to show up and sit down and just to be able to listen deeply. Like that is empathy and spiritual care. It's about being able to be present with the one that we're listening to. In chaplaincy, we talk a lot about holding space. And holding space is about letting something simply be. So that if I come alongside of you and you're having a rough day, I'll let you share. I'll thank you for sharing. I'll support you in that. But I don't Again, I don't make it about me. I don't try to fix it for you. I don't tell you, Steph, there'll be worse days. Or Steph, come on, someone's going through something worse than you. That's not empathy. right? I'm willing to be with you in the midst of the messiness of life that I don't need to feel like I have to put a bow on it or try to change it. I, I hold space with you. And I think that's um, that has a lot to do with empathy. I think about one of um, the visits I've had with a, a patient. She was a young mom. And she was not religious. And she invited me into her room toward the end of her life. And she said, you know, I'm not religious, but I just don't know what to make of what's happening. I have two young toddlers at home and I don't know how to say goodbye. And so I listened. And as I listened deeply to her story and to what she was looking for, I ended up helping her to um, write letters. She wanted to write some letters to her children that could be read afterwards when they were older. I mean, they were both under five years old. Mm. And then as she kept talking, she said something about um, her voice. Like it was sad to her that they would never hear her voice. And so in the midst of that time, in joining alongside of her, I realized how powerful it could be if we could record that. And so we got her one of those Build-A-Bears, you know, that you can do. And there's a little voice recording, and she was able to record messages to her children that they were able to keep after she died. And I just remember how powerful that visit was for me as well as for her but also the sense of peace that it brought her. You know, I think sometimes people think that empathy is about being nice. It's not just about being nice, you know? It's about being willing to recognize that each person we meet is probably going through a lot. And we often don't know what it is that they're going through, but if we can trust that and really value them as a a unique human being and be willing to share in their journey, I think we can actually relieve suffering in that. And so it's really important. And you know, Steph, the stories don't have to be so dramatic as writing letters and doing Build-A-Bear voices. I was thinking about um, the other day, there's a Panera just outside my office, which is very convenient. And I went to get a cup of coffee, and this woman in front of me sighed really deeply. And I looked at her and I said, that's a big sigh. And she said, yeah. I said, sounds like you're going through some stuff. And she ended up sharing in that Panera line how her daughter was having a very significant surgery. And it was going to take hours. And how she didn't even know what to do in the time of waiting. And so we walked around. And I showed her the gift shop and the wellness store. And we had some time to sit and talk. And she was so grateful in that moment because someone dared to just care right? And to be willing to sit and hear a little bit about her story. So I think those are some examples of, you know, just being able to accompany people amidst whatever they're going through and really being willing to connect our hearts to each other. This is why I'm so
0: honored to work with you and your team. These are the stories. And what I heard you, I just want to reinforce because it felt so powerful. What I heard you say about empathy and, and spiritual care, it's about holding space. Yes. And I can't imagine better examples than you gave. And, and easing suffering. And if big and small ways, and, and I love that that coffee example as well as the big ways, um, not everyone can do that. It takes special people. But I, I think we all can show up in our own way. Absolutely. To ease suffering and Absolutely. to show up for each other in space. So thanks for inspiring there. Thanks for letting me tell the stories. One of the things that I'm, I'm very proud of you for is that you identify as having a strong commitment, and it's not just an identity, it's action, uh, to equity and inclusion.
1: Can you talk about what that looks like with spiritual care? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think that we're, we're better together. We're the best teams we are when we really support each other and uh, really support the fair ways and the full participation of all people. And, you know, when we think about folks who have been like historically underrepresented or hurt in some way, spiritual care has an opportunity to really stand in that space. I feel like we have the opportunity to really help people uh, to recognize that they're okay just as they are. And some folks have been hurt along the way. And so a couple of groups that, you know, generally come to my mind in my own experience is, you know, I can remember what it was like to be called to a patient's room and this young woman really wanted to see the chaplain, but she apologized when she walked in because she was gay. And she had been really hurt by the church, and she knew she needed to process some stuff. And she also knew she really wanted a prayer, but she didn't know if it would be okay. She didn't know if she was okay. You know, and so that really um, awakened my heart in a way that kind of broke my heart, but also really impassioned me to be able to want to do this work. We have so much work to do, and it happens one patient and one connection at a time. I remember um, when I was at Fairview, one of our volunteers, she was one of our uh, volunteers who visits our Muslim patients, and I was talking with her one day about the Muslim patients at the hospital. And she really helped me to become aware of something I had never thought of. She said to me that there were likely more Muslim patients than showed up on the census, but that often Muslim patients are afraid to declare their religion because of different retribution and how they might be treated. And again, it broke my heart, you know, but like when you think about it, these are culturally or religiously underrepresented folks who have had experiences of trauma of discrimination and are fearful because of it and that's not when we shine you know like we shine when we can show up in those spaces and and let people know like we're here for you too and that that really matters to people
0: one of the the great things that you do and I just talked to Jackie Robertson uh recently I love Jackie isn't she Jackie's yes. great And Jackie was saying it's so important for our caregivers to look like our diverse patients. And I would imagine in middle America and Ohio that our chaplains are probably Christian. Is that true or is it not?
1: I am so glad you brought that up. We are just so fortunate. We have a beautifully diverse chaplain team. Yeah, we do. Oh, you know, and we have Christian chaplains and Greek Orthodox chaplains and Muslim chaplains and Hindu chaplains and Buddhist chaplains and yeah. Jewish chaplains. And, you know, is every religion represented? Of course not. And do we ever assume that all Muslims need the same thing. No, of course not. But you're right. It does matter. Representation matters. And I especially think about those patients who come from different places and might not be English speaking, right? And I can then like call on one of our chaplains who might look similar to them, practice the same faith, and speak the same language. In fact, that did happen recently, and I watched this patient's face just settle when someone came in the room speaking her language, and she could understand, and she knew that this chaplain understood her prayers in a way that even though I'm trained to work with patients of all faiths and traditions, this chaplain really knew it. And it's just so beautiful to be able to connect people that way. I'm so grateful. I think it's one of the best parts of of the team is just watching them shine and really celebrating who they are with their beautiful richness of diversity. I, I do love how our team
0: um, well, first, they're trained to be to not put their own religious values in others. So I, I recognize that, but I do love the diversity of experiences they can bring. Yes, and the way it can serve our patients differently.
1: Absolutely. Can I tell a story? Please. All right. So we had a patient recently who um, was Christian and requested a Christian chaplain. And so we sent someone to that room, a Christian chaplain. And it happened to be the unit of a different chaplain who was of a different faith. And that chaplain who initially responded was just so perfect. Like, he had a wonderful visit with this patient, built a beautiful relationship. And then the unit chaplain happened to be walking by. And so the first chaplain brought the second one in and made the introduction. And this patient was just so thrilled and invited that unit chaplain to come back the next day, realizing that she would be cared for by any of the team, that these are professionally trained folks who are willing to care for them. But I just, I celebrated that with my team, like way to make that connection and continue just to help to build trust. Like this is such a phenomenal place to receive care. And when we can help patients to know they're in good hands every step of the way, it matters so much. I I was just so proud of the team and so grateful for that patient's experience.
0: I love this. Thanks for sharing. Yeah. I'm going to move us a little bit and talk about a common phrase, it's the little things that make the big difference. How does that show up in the context of spiritual care, uh, even as goals of care for a patient
1: individually may change? Yeah. That's a great question. You know, I, I do think it is those little things that can make such a big difference. And you and I have talked before about the power of moments, right? Like yeah. those power of moments matter so they much. Do. Yeah. So sometimes patients are here for quite a while. I think about like our transplant patients, for example, they can be here for more than four six months. And recently there was a patient who had been here for that long and his wife happened to mention that her birthday was coming up. It was like the patient's birthday coming up and her birthday coming up. And so um one of our chaplains showed up the following week on the birthdays with a card for the patient and the spouse. And it was like such a little thing, right? But it meant so much. And that spouse gave a call to the office just to say thanks. Like it was a little thing that just made such a difference to her and it really celebrated her. You talked about like even when goals of of care change and I think that's true. Like sometimes the outcomes aren't what we would all hope for, and and sometimes patients um, do have to accept difficult prognosis, and it can be really challenging. We still can show up in those spaces uh, to be able to be with people for those little things. And I think about a story of a, a mom who recognized that she would not still be here for her daughter's graduation, her high school graduation. And it was a really difficult situation. It was about a month before, and her time here was running out. And so uh, the chaplain team decided to work together with some other folks, and they pulled together a graduation gown and cap for the daughter who was all in on this. And we had an early graduation so that the patient could be present for it in the hospital room. You know, we didn't give a diploma, but we celebrated this, this young woman's achievements, and her mom got to be there for it. And the pictures from that day that the family took were just so special, so very special. I also think about the little things that make a big difference for our caregivers. And I know I talked about Tea for the Soul before, but you know, recognizing what's important to the caregivers in the midst of difficult situation uh, really matter as well. And being able to give honor to that, celebrate that, mourn with those situations, I don't know that there really are little things, right? I mean, those littlest things just make such a big difference. Well said. Hey, spiritual care is hard.
0: Your team practices and supports in some really difficult moments and you show up again and again. I want to talk about how you show up for yourself. What can we as individuals do to show empathy towards ourselves and each other
1: around us? Do you have any daily habits or rituals that you can share with us? Yeah, thanks for asking. So the first thing that I do every day when I walk into my office is I light a candle. Don't worry, it's battery powered. It is not a a real flame. (laughs) Thank you, should be glad to hear that. (laughs) Quality and safety, friends. So yes, I turn on my battery operated candle and I take a moment simply to pause for gratitude for the day and to recognize that in this space, really important things are happening and really beautiful people are in our care. And that moment, it it makes me smile every day. I have it next to a little jar of water and some really beautiful rocks and a plant just to kind of symbolize nature. Um, As you talked about the the daily huddles where you recognize names, that is also an important part. Every morning at eight o'clock, our team gathers for huddle and we have an opportunity to name those names. We also process a lot as a team, right? We share the, the joys of our visits. We process with each other when we've had a difficult visit. We offer each other space or presence during those more difficult times. Um, I think those those simple things really, really matter. I know um, when I was doing more patient care, I had a ritual whenever I would walk into a room. We wash our hands or we foam in. And that was my opportunity to give thanks for the opportunity to be with that patient. And then when I would wash my hands or foam out at the end, that was my opportunity to give thanks for what the visit had been. And then most importantly for me, to recognize that that patient is held in a bigger love than I can ever provide. And it was my CPE educator 24 years ago or so that taught me that I needed to find a ritual because burnout is so high and I adopted it really early on. And it's just made such a difference for me, you know, to recognize that it's not all about me. I'm part of a great team here of spiritual care providers, interdisciplinary team. I'm part of that team. It doesn't all rest on me. And so I would really encourage folks listening to remember that you're not alone. You know, you're part of this fabulous team. Lean on your team, find people to talk to because I think it makes a huge difference. Steph, I also think that it's really important that we recognize that we live in this culture that sometimes tells us like we need to do more, we're not enough, we need to figure more out quicker and it can be so overwhelming and sometimes I think we just need again to pause and to like give ourselves a little bit of a break to recognize that we are okay, that we're enough. And it can seem a little countercultural, but I think the practice of self-compassion is a little bit different than self-care. I think self-compassion is actually really hard work when we're trained to, to be so hard on ourselves. But I, I think it's so key to this work that we do. and. I didn't check this out with you ahead of time, but I wondered if we could do a brief self-compassion exercise that our readers could, our, <laughs> we'll our listeners, our listeners <laughs> could follow along with and also embrace for themselves if that would be appropriate. Well, I'm a little nervous, but I'm also very excited. <laughs> do you let's trust end me, Steph? on that. All right, <laughs> do I? But let's do it. All right. So I'll invite you and anyone else listening to just take a moment and allow yourself to exhale fully. I'll invite you if it's comfortable for you to close your eyes, to feel your feet grounded on the floor and to take a moment to just place your hands over your heart. Take a moment to feel your heart beating. This connection to your body, this heartbeat is purpose. It's the sign of life within you. And as you pause in this moment to bring these words to mind, whatever is happening around me, I will be present. I have what I need. I let go of that which I can't control or that which is holding me back or not serving me. I receive that I am enough, that I am held, that I am deeply loved. I am courageous. I am strong. I am enough. I am beloved. May I trust the gift of this moment, and may I trust in the gift of my life. May you breathe deeply, open your eyes as you are ready, and may it be so. Thanks for letting me do that with you today and lead that practice. I think it can be helpful to um, just simply pause and recognize that this this being human is not always easy and that we have this, this gift of our life that touches so many. And sometimes we do just need to give ourselves a break and maybe a pat on the back and just take some deep breaths.
0: Thank you for the gift of that exercise. And thank you for the gift of you. We're so lucky to have you here. Thanks, staff. This concludes the Studies in Empathy podcast. You can find additional podcast episodes on our website, my.clevelandclinic.org forward slash podcast. Subscribe to the Studies in Empathy podcast on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcast. Thank you for listening. Join us again soon.